today on Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet, City with No Children. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet. Today we have City with No Children. As always, I'm joined by Owen, and we're coming out of the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, BC, Canada. However, today, not as always, we're also coming from Tupelo, Mississippi, with our first expert guest, JB Clark. <laughs> JB, we hey, are what's going thrilled on? to have you. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Uh, I don't know, expert guest is a little uh, uh, gracious, but uh, but I'll take it. Uh, it's, it's good to be here. All right. If, if not expert guest, then uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, I'm a pretty normal uh, 30-year-old dude. I uh, live in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, I got a 10-month-old kid who is thankfully asleep right now. I'm watching him on the little video monitor we just got. And uh, yeah, I love music. I like to play music. I like to listen to music. Um, a big fan of Arcade Fire, specifically the suburbs. But I'm I'm coming around uh, thanks to Alex to your uh, pressing. I'm coming around on the new record and. Um, I really started to enjoy that one a bunch too. So yeah, and, uh, I think that wraps up who I am. What do you do in your spare time that uh, sparked our relationship? Oh yeah, <laughs> I am the uh, co-host of Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, which is a uh, silly podcast about uh, Bruce Springsteen songs, where we uh, talk about every Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order, one by one, uh, with my co-host Rob Carmack, and uh, we're big Springsteen fans. Uh, obviously, you have to be to do something like that. I actually <laughs> hate similar. Arcade Fire. Yeah, not, not us. This is a purely professional thing here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, y'all do have like a real studio and everything. So. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So you say silly podcast, silly podcast that we 100% ripped off the format and everything from. <laughs> so, yeah, JB, how did uh, what's your relationship with Arcade Fire? Um. I remember the first time I heard of them, I was going to this place called Graceland 2, which is uh, this uh, this uh, eccentric man who was named Paul McLeod. He died a couple years ago. But he had this sort of like rundown mansion in Holly Springs, Mississippi, which is sort of in between Tupelo and Memphis. Okay. Uh, totally out of the way. But it kind of looked like Graceland, and he like painted it pink one time. And had these big like lion gargoyles out front. But he would give – it was open 24-7. Like you would go knock on his door – the thing in the college is like you, you would go and uh, somebody would drive and you would have a bunch of folks like in the backseat chugging beers on the way there. And then you would get there at like two in the morning. Okay. And he would open the door and give you a tour of his house, which was filled with like Elvis memorabilia, but also just weird stuff too. And he would tell you crazy stories. And if you touched anything, he would like pull a gun out of his robe. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, I was there with some friends and they were talking about Arcade Fire they were talking about how David Bowie had said he really loved this new band, Arcade Fire. And I thought that they had said David Bowie had a new band. <laughs> so uh, anyway, they were way cooler than I was. Uh, I was still in what my roommates were calling my Tony Hawk press skater phase. Hey, to that's, a a, like that's a great phase to... that we all go through. I'm, I'm still in my Tony Hawk yeah. press skater phase. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, so, you know, listen to just, you know, pop punk and power pop and ska and... Um, then so I tried to listen to a little bit of Arcade Fire back then, and this is the same time that someone showed me Wilco, and I was like, eh, I'm not really into it. Was this two, like what two thousand no, like five six? <laughs> What'd you say? Two thousand five six or when was this? This was four. This okay, was go right at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm wrong. This is two thousand six. Okay. This is right before Neon Bible or right at Neon Bible. No, mm -hmm. freshman year. Yeah, two thousand six. Okay. And um, so I listened to it a little bit. It didn't resonate super hard with me. And then I was uh, working one Christmas break, and uh, I was living in Oxford, college town. Uh, it's where the University of Mississippi is. It's a great, great town. Uh, it's like a cultural mecca for the South. Uh, it's really cool. And it's where William Faulkner, the great American author, is from, uh. <clears throat> and bands like Color Revolt. Um, anyway, really cool town. Uh, has like a bookstore that's every year rated, you know, best, if not, you know, top five, if not best independent really run bookstore in the country. Uh, and like the owner of that bookstore was the mayor for a while. Oh. And, um, a lot of local writers who are really great. Um, they have a small venue that's often called the, the lyric, which is 
regularly voted, you know, top 100 small venues in the country. It's just a really, really neat town. Great food. There's like three or four James Beard award-winning restaurants, and it's a small town. You're really selling me uh, on Oxford right now. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm almost ready to get on the plane. Awesome. <laughs> Change my university decisions right now. Yeah, so I live like my brother is about to graduate from there, and I live not that far down the road. And I, I go eat dinner with him over there, mm. you know, at least once a month, or go catch a show pretty regularly. It's really cool. I mean, I've seen some incredible bands. Like I saw Fun playing a bar there before they oh, before, uh, before they, they, they put big, their record yeah. out the first time. They opened for Manchester Orchestra in a bar that like I've played at, <laughs> and I saw them for ten bucks, and they had they didn't even put a record out, and I was just walked in and I saw you know like Nate uh, there because I, I knew of him from the format, and I saw uh, Jack there because I knew of him from Steel Train, and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and they got on stage and blew my mind. Dang. So anyway, I was in the in the winter and in the summer, no one is there, mm. so it's probably I want to say it's probably like eighty thousand people live there during the school year, and then. When the school's out, there's like 30,000 people or 20-something. It's not a big town. So it's really cool because um, no one's there. You can do whatever you want. There's no traffic. There's there's no lines anywhere. Uh, you can go to like just – you can go be one of like four people at a bar. Very cool. And I But it's kind of lonely too if all your friends go home. So I was working at Movie Gallery <clears throat> right before all of the movie stores in the world closed. And so I had to stay because I had to pay my rent. So I couldn't go home until like Christmas Eve. Mm. Oh, damn. And so I was working on some art projects and staying in my house by myself, being super lame and super lonely. And uh, this record really got me through that. And yeah. I listened to it on repeat every day after work. It, it was just inc- while I was just like working in my room on some uh, screen printing. And it was just awesome. Just so good. So... You know, I love, uh, I, I like, I'm really starting to love everything now. Reflector didn't resonate with me as much, but you know, it's like a really great record. Neon Bible Funeral, great records, but The Suburbs is like in my pantheon of uh, favorite records of all time. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, so that's why you yeah. chose City. I mean, you chose which song you wanted to come talk to us about. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I gave Alex a list of a few songs. Um, most of them were off uh, The Suburbs, but this was the earliest one, yeah. Yeah, so I'm a bass player. Um, like that's the instrument that I've, I, I play a, a lot of instruments, but I've never been paid to play any of them besides bass. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this song is really bass driven and it's really mm-hmm. cool. So that, I, and I just love the sentiment. It's, it's kind of hopeful, but it's also like the lyrics are bleak, but the, uh, tone is very sort of hopeful. So I like that juxtaposition. Yeah, as anyone who listens to the Springsteen podcast <laughs> or follows JB on Twitter, JB lives for juxtaposition. I live for juxtaposition. <laughs> oh, I put, I put one of those in my notes already, and now I'm oh. going to seem like I'm stealing it. <laughs> oh, Lord. I have to change those real quick. No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> juxtaposition is for everyone, Owen. Everyone. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> no. um, so anyway, thanks for having me on, guys. This oh, is, I'm, no. I'm pumped. I've been looking forward to it all day. We are thrilled to have you. Yeah. Should we get into it? or do Yeah. You... Okay. I, I can hit us with some basic facts or I have to start here. Go for it. Oh, yeah, it basic is, facts. Let's that's JB coined that term. Yeah. Or, well, well, I mean, <laughs> brought it to popularity. Okay. I think that uh, I got some basic facts wrong and some listeners emailed us and said, you don't, you guys, no, we had a, a uh, review on iTunes that were mm-hmm. like, uh, these guys seem nice, but they're just missing yeah. basic facts. <laughs> it's like one of the podcasts. The cover of and they were Run. very basic facts. Yes. Yeah. The cover of Board to Run. I, I just misspoke on that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if I get any of these wrong, feel free to email us multiple times. But um, <laughs> yeah. So it, this is the fifth single that was released from the suburbs. It was released as a single March fourteenth, twenty eleven. That was about nine months after the album was initially released. Released yeah. August second, twenty ten. It is the sixth tr- track on the album. It is three minutes and 11 seconds long, which makes it the third shortest song, not including The Suburbs Continued. Mm. It has been played 14 times live. Most recently was July 29th, 2011, in Sackville, New Brunswick. Oh, dang. At a Shout mu- out to like New Brunswick, <laughs> yeah. Canada. At a music festival called Sappy Fest. Oh, dang. Nice. So I, I I looked up Sackville because I had never heard of it, right? But no, not at all. all. Small college town in New Brunswick, oh. like really small college town. But New Brunswick is a uh, no, Nova Scotia. No, New Brunswick is its own province. Oh right, <laughs> swinging the miss. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really small maritime province on the east coast of Canada, kind of like a Maine or a Rhode Island kind of deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
But yeah, so that, uh, that's what I got. So you said it's only been played 14 times? Yeah, I know. So equal with uh, Brazil, which we had talked about earlier, which was... Uh, yeah. An obscure deep cut uh, B-side. Yeah, obscure deep cut B-side. Same amount of playing time as City With No Children. Real so. single. Yeah. Seems like this would be a great live song with yeah. all the claps and the the bass just really driving and. Well, I mean, they, they only played. They, they played this more. Yeah, they only played it during the suburbs uh, tour. Like mm-hmm. they didn't play it any other time. I mean, but wow. they've been bringing out the really deep cuts lately. I, I could see them bringing this out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely. This would be a song that I would want to see if oh, they were to definitely. play it live. Like I'd be a little bit bummed if they didn't play it, just because I, I would love to watch the bass player. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of Death Cab for Cutie's bass player Nick Hammer a little bit. Um, and he will come out and play, he'll come out and start a show. He'll come do like a 10 minute baseline while the rest of the band slowly trickles on stage. Oh, dang. And just sort sort of with this posture, like, yeah, you wish you could get this kind of tone <laughs> out of your, <laughs> out of your rig. <laughs> like you wish that you could play the same riff for 10 minutes and not miss any notes. <laughs> and, uh, that's, I think that's one reason I really like it. It sort of reminds me of the gamer a little bit. Uh, yeah, we were just on the, the, uh, live version we posted on our page. We were just listening to it, and it's like the second run through of the riff, they mess up, and then it's fine for the rest of the song, but it's like oh, right out of the yeah. gate, swinging a miss. Oh no, <laughs> that's the worst. Whenever you have like a kind of a like a really cool part in a song, and the first thing you do with it is to destroy it and dismantle it. But it's also like uh, it's fun. Like they're 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 up there. They're real people at the end of the day. Yeah, and yeah, they. It, it adds a real, uh, real personal level to the song and the live performances. It's, yeah, that's nice. I mean, the last time I saw Death Cab, the first three songs were like really bass-heavy songs, and the guy running sound didn't turn the subs on. Oh. <laughs> I was just so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I came here for Nick. They're not even subs. Yeah. But they got it fixed. They got it fixed. Yeah. All right. Uh, Owen, JB, you ready? Owen, you want to get into the lyrics? Yeah. Let's well, do lyrics, man. Let's go I'd, for it. I'd talk about the kind of like my idea. Actually, I'm going to say like my read the first verse and that kind of makes my almost like a thesis for me for like the entire song. That's, okay. So the summer that I broke my arm, I waited for your letter. I have no feeling for you now, now that I know you better. And my thesis kind of from this is like it's the suburbs are a great memory that you have, but that's not like what they're like now. And memory can be very selective. We can always like think back about how great it was kind of growing up in that freedom and yeah. ideal youth. But like now that we are live in the city and now that you've grown up, you can't really go back. And like even if you did go back, it wouldn't be the same. So I think that's the same here. It's like talking about like this girl that he like would write letters to in the summer, like classic kind of like camp situation mm-hmm. where he'd write yeah. letters to her. And uh, but now that he knows her better, he, it's like it's different and you can't go back to what it was before. The Yeah, the innocence of uh... – yeah, I I really see that like the I've never broken any bones, but that broken arm is such a like specific childhood image that we can all kind of picture of yeah. um like you break your arm and you can't go outside and that's your whole summer right there and your world is so small that that's your whole summer there. And uh it kind of oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, go ahead, JB. Well, it kind of sets up a um it paints with so few words, like such a clear picture. Mm-hmm. You, you sort of immobilized. I mean, it's not a leg, but still, like, there's just so much you can't do with a broken arm. And so you sort of have this this young boy who's maybe high school, maybe middle school. He's you know he's talking to a girl. It seems like waiting on a letter. And uh, so you, you know somebody that age, sort of taken out of taken out of it. You know what I mean? Like they have to sit at home in their room. So you sort of see this room in the suburbs. You know, you see this sort of like upstairs boy room and he's got a broken arm and he's waiting to hear from this girl and she's not, you know, she's not right and he's waiting for her letter. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can, it's that's so specific. You know, you can sort of see the light streaming in from the window and him just kind of sitting on the bed, just bummed out, tossing a, you know, hacky sack up in the air or something with his, his arm that works. Yeah. Uh, or working on a draft, but thinking, oh, I'm going to wait for her to write back before I send another letter. And um, thinking about how much he, he was like, sort of longing for that because he's, he's, you know, to actively be waiting on the letter and then saying now, you know, I have no feeling for you now, now that I know you better. And that's, that's so harsh, mm-hmm. but like sort of so true, you know, we grow out, we grow out of that and, and we get to know people and, and, and nothing sort of is, as it seems as we grow older. And, you know, you look, I, I look back on so many great memories I have uh, from childhood and there's, you know, they're almost tainted with, with like knowledge and experience now. Mm-hmm. There's so many places in the towns, uh, in specifically the suburbs I grew up, that I thought of so fondly as a child that, you know, now I just uh, could, you know, 
go without ever seeing again because <laughs> you just know so much about it now. Yeah. I mean, which is so much of this album. And I think that right. here, like, uh, using this very specific metaphor, it kind, of, it kind of invokes the image that, like, it is something that she was able to, or like the you was able to escape and he's still stuck there. And whether yeah. that literally is the summer in the broken arm or something greater, um, yeah, that's that's the the setting of the stepping stone this provides for this uh, verse. Yeah, it's really it's a really beautiful setup. It's it's mm-hmm. a you know it's a lot in four lines. Um, Definitely it's really sweet. Ready to move on to the next one? Yeah, you got it. Uh, JB, you have the lyrics. You want to take it? Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, I wish that I could have loved. Uh, could have loved you then before our age was through and before a world war does with us whatever it will do. Uh, you want to keep going? Just finish it out. Um, I, I'm, here's a good uh, – where do your notes stop for this one? Uh, through the engine failing. Okay. Go for it. All right. I dreamt I drove home to Houston on a highway that was underground. There was no light that we could see, and we listened to the sound of the engine failing. All right, what do you got? Uh, the only real note I have here is I really love, uh, and this is more of a musical note than a theme note, but I love how the third sort of stanza of each verse adds a few syllables to the to the sort of meter of it. You know what I mean? Like the engine failing. Yeah, yeah. Where it would have just ended off on sound of mm-hmm. the engine failing. And the whatever like it really, will do. It, yeah. And it it's... So it, adds a sense of longing to me you know what i mean like the the song the way the song is going it ends at as we listen to the sound of and he's like wait i'm not done uh, mm-hmm. I, need, I need to get a couple more words in the sound of the engine failing and uh that i think that sets up sort of that feeling of thinking back to um better times that maybe were worse times <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, what do you guys make of the highway underground? I mean, I would love for there to be like an underground highway to Houston. Uh, <laughs> I have family like in Dallas and Houston, and it's super tough to drive. <laughs> Those highways are so crowded. So I just think I totally pulled out of the song at that moment. I'm just like, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Arcade Fire City I, Planners. I don't know. Like for me, the imagery in this entire song, the imagery is really vivid, I think. And that's like, as we talked about in the first verse, but like specifically on the highway underground, it's just. It's like it's a dreamscape to me, right? Because he talks about how he's like dreaming of this. Because he's he's currently in the city and he's dreaming of his memories of the mm-hmm. suburbs, right? And he's yeah. the high this highway underground is like, I imagine it's like all blackness, right? But you just kind of see where you're going though, and like that's kind of like everything, like where you are right now. It's like it's all black, but like you just have the light at the end of the tunnel, kind of. And that's like that's the suburbs where he's going. Yeah. So what's the um he so wins from he. From Texas, yeah, Wynn right? and Will are both from the, the brothers, and they're both from Houston. So suburbs outside right. of Houston called the Woodlands, which I'm going to be talking oh, about. Oh, the Woodlands. Yeah, yeah. I'll be talking about them later. But, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, but you, nice. your family's from Houston? Uh, I have some. Uh, some of April's family is from Houston, and my brother is sort of moving there mm. right now. And then I have an aunt that lives there. And I, I grew up in Texas, partly and partly in Mississippi. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's another thing we wanted you on this song because it's a specific Houston imagery, and I know, like, you got the some roots over there. Yeah. Uh, I, I love this line uh, going back to, I wish that I could have loved you then before I age was through mm-hmm. and before this world war does what it uh, does with us, what it, whatever it will do. Um, that's such a sort of nostalgic thought. You think back, like, how could things have been different? What You know, like, maybe life's just fine right now, but, like, I wish I could. I wish that I could have felt things that I didn't feel at a time. You know, like, I wish I could have explored that. Um, yeah, like, what does Bob Seger say that, I, I wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then. On, yeah. uh, against the Wind. Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still trying to think that through. I wish I didn't know now what I didn't Wait, know. Wait, uh, JB, are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> what lyrics are you talking about? Uh, Bob Seger on Against the Wind. Oh, I'm, I you cut out for a second. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. I didn't. I wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh. I like I wish I still had that wild that wide eyed uh, youthful look. Which yeah. is at the world. Yeah. So okay, you you ready for my my take on everything? 
Okay. Let's hear it. So going back to the the before so I think that this the I wish I could have loved you then before our age was through and before World War does with us whatever it will do. I think that this now calls to the line on the suburbs the song and gives more context to when he says I want a daughter while I'm still young. I want to hold her hand and show her some beauty before the damage is done. Before yeah. that kind of before she grows up and her age is through because in this lyric he sees that that damage has been done to this female character and he's kind of beginning to see that there is in fact a beauty in the world of the suburbs which I'll get to later she doesn't and she didn't and so in that first song when he's talking about he doesn't want that to happen to his daughter this is sort of what he's saying and when he says yeah. the world war does with us we're getting to like later on it talks about the suburban war and that whole idea of growing up and being at war with the suburbs and where you grew up um he isn't really at the point where he's like exploring that. He's like, you know, whatever it will do, but it is doing something and it is damaging. Yeah. I feel like throughout the album, it's the, the idea of there's conflict in the background. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously there's some specific songs with this conflict in like the song, but a lot of it is you're having fun. You're, you have this hopeful youth and like in the suburbs and you know there's things going on, but they're in the background. So like, like when specifically was, um, he was like about 11 during the Gulf War. I think like uh, that's what a lot of like, the scene, scenes of the suburbs and other things is like there's war in the background going on, but you're in your youth yeah. and you don't really know about that, but you know it's mm-hmm. there. I think that's the same thing here. It's like before a world war does with us whatever it will do, you don't know what it's going to do, but you know it like, exists. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can't, it can't be good whatever yeah. it does to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that you called back to the suburbs. To me, especially sort of the first half of this record, is one thought. Mm-hmm. It's all, you know what I mean? Like, I, I oftentimes will have heard this song and think, wait, when did he talk about his daughter? Oh, wait, that's not this song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this yeah. song, uh, very much, and I love that line. Love that line about wishing that he could have a daughter now. Oh, yeah. Um, that That's such a beautiful, and, and it's a different, to me, uh, it meant, it means something, something so much different now than it did uh, back in 2010. Mm. But, um yeah, I, I think I, I think you're right on that. That this this record, uh, each song, does not live um, on its own. They all live together in the same, uh, not in the, even in the same like universe or album. Like in the same, this is the same story. Yeah, and uh, this and it is a double album. And this is really I'm gonna say later, but this is beginning to hit the turning point, like the end of the first uh, first album and the beginning of the second. Um, I'm going to keep going. So when he says the dreamt I drove home to Houston on a highway that was underground, no light, those, that verse, like yeah. we were saying, they're returning to the neighborhoods, the neighborhoods of funeral and the suburbs of funeral. And almost specifically going back to the father's house that he mentions on windowsill on neon Bible. And in this dream, they're specifically underground, which coming through um this album is all is responding to like i was saying neighborhoods on funeral and on funeral they talk about the tunnels and the city underground and burning bridges and sort of that metaphor of the underground being the way they escape adults and adulthood and where the underground where there are no adults and so i really see in this dream like he's not just going back to houston uh onto his father's house he's going back on the highway underground that he left and he's going back in his dream with the same lens that he left with. Um, the way he fell asleep at the end of Funeral and woke up in the beginning of Neon Bible, he's going to not just going back now, but to the person he was before the rebellion and the sleeping. And it's also great that you're on this episode because, you know, this is something Bruce talks about on My Father's House, that going oh, yeah. back to the physical embodiment of a time in your life which is the father's house in both those cases thing you could change the way the way you feel. What, what do you think right, about that? Right, because it, it's so idealized in your memory, but but when you actually go back and look at it, it's not it's not the same. Yeah, or 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 the opposite, like not ideal, whatever the opposite of idealized is that it's just dark and awful. But you go back and it's just a house. It is what it is. It's just a house. Yeah, it's yeah. just a house. Uh, and that's all it ever was. The yeah. only thing that changed is the, like what you filled it with, what mm-hmm. emotions and memories and feelings. And... 
Yeah. All right. Are we ready to go on to the next one? Yeah, I'll take it. All right. Uh, I feel like I've been living in a city with no children in it, a garden left for ruin by a millionaire inside of a private prison. Then I'll just keep going. Uh, You never trust a millionaire, quoting the Sermon on the Mount. I used to think I was not like them, but I'm beginning to have my doubts, my doubts about it. So this is where I'm going to talk about the woodlands. So I did my research on the woodlands. And for me, it's not the same way I think of suburbs. When I think of suburbs, I think of, well, it is and it isn't. When I think of suburbs, I think of on the outskirts of town or on the outside of like the main area of town. And it's a bunch of row houses and it's quiet and like where your kids but I also think it's something that kind of happens organically, where people don't want to live in the scary city, so they move out to the suburbs. But the Woodlands, in 1974, was bought by a rich oil investor. Right? He just bought this area of land and, and planned it. So the Woodlands is a planned city. Oh. So it's like it's yeah. all like meticulously planned. And I never, like, I don't really, we don't have, I haven't, there's none of those around here. There's no kind of area where it's like someone just bought a big plot of land and meticulously planned like a huge neighborhood. No, Vancouver is very unplanned. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. So, so there are, yeah, go like, ahead. there is so much growth in the metropolitans in Texas, like in Dallas and in Houston. Like Texas has three of the largest of the ten largest cities in America. Uh, in between, and like Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, like these are huge cities that are growing at a like an unmanageable clip. So you can plan a whole city and build it and it'll be full like there's no like it is very much build it and they will come so it like the woodlands was an er, a very early version of this but if you leave you know the city centers every uh three towns that you drive through feel like a six flags or a disney world set because you know what i mean not like they don't feel like a theme park they feel like a town but they're such an idealized town where everything White you know, fences. there's no sort of dead ends. There's no uh, there's no weird traffic patterns. There's you know, there's a city hall built into like this weird shop, like in a gap across the street. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's super weird the way they're all, you know, these red brick sort of uh, tar paved streets. Uh, but the woodlands like sort of set the standard for that as far as, you know, I, as far as I know. Yeah. And mm. uh, yeah, it's insane. It's uh, pretty beautiful. And idyllic, but also sort of, um, I don't know, like that sort of exclusive white America thing that is so gross uh, <laughs> at yeah. the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, why, that's why I think when I hear like the lyric, like a garden left for ruin by a millionaire inside of a private prison, it's like this idea of it, like it's it's the millionaire's garden. Like they planned it. Like it's like it's kind of like it seems really nice, but it's also a facade and like it's not like fully there, but. Or what's what's beneath it isn't like really that deep, but mm. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh. You, you got anything on this, Alex? Yeah, I think now we're. I mean, I always, I'm all, I always say, and I firmly believe that this is up until I mean, we'll get up until kind of reflector and ending. This is one consistent story from funeral to the suburbs, and then a bit other stuff. So I hear now we're going back to something they defined on Neon Bible. Where, I mean, Neon Bible could be summarized in some parts by don't trust millionaires quoting the Sermon on the Mount. And that is the image of the darkness they saw in the adult world and all the negative aspects they saw. And um, I feel like this millionaire putting on a fake face, we could go through so many examples and comparisons of the real world. But the way that I think the broken arm in the summer evokes that image of childhood and innocence. This is the image they use to evoke adulthood and corruption. And he used to think he was never like that or not going to be like that. And even though um, he wasn't like that at all, and he isn't completely like the millionaire, and he isn't also not completely like the millionaire, but he's compromising, and he's becoming an adult and moving past the feeling, and he's starting to be very aware of it. Um yeah, and so this song, uh, like I was saying, is right before the half lights, which are kind of the center of the album, the turning point. And we get to him talking about hiding underground and staying in the tunnels and staying where you're sort of safe from whatever it is that you fear, but you're refusing to accept that the constant feeling we refer to of dying, or sorry, defying growing old and defying any sort of institution, which... I think in this album, the metaphor is always that institution of of the suburbs. 
and the when when they say the when you're hiding underground, the rain can't get you wet, that you're staying in the tunnels. And I think that this is a huge idea. Like I said, you know, neighborhood number one, the tunnels are where the children run away, no adults, no responsibility. And where the main character is in the suburbs, he feel like there are no children, only adults, versus the tunnels where there's no adults, only children. And this is a pivotal point of understanding the compromise of both and that it's not so black and white. And I, one of my favorite lines in the whole album is the, I used to think I was not like them, but I'm beginning to have my doubts about it, where... I think that this, like, it's a knee-jerk reaction to him realizing he's moved past the feeling and he thinks it's one or the other. He's no longer in the tunnels with no adults, so he's in a city with with no children. Yeah. Or, like, a suburb with no children. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I sort of have this idea. I don't know um, what the makeup of the towns that y'all have sort of experienced is, but, in the like, young people don't have a say in the suburbs. Because mm-hmm. suburbs are where you have to own your home to have a say. Yeah. Um, and the, um, like, you move to the city, you can rent, you know, a cheap flat, and you can um, you can make a name for yourself. You can do something crazy. You can have ideas. As they do on Neon Bible. Yeah, absolutely. And in the suburbs, that's where you go when you want, when you have a family and you want safety. And so you retreat back. And the only people who, you know what I mean? Like they're less. Yeah. I guess like uh, I wrote this in my notes. It's super depressing to think about being in a city that has no children in it. And like that means the city will never be young. It will only grow older. There will be no more new ideas. No one to push new things. It's hopeless and dystopic. But um, I don't, it's not that there aren't children there. It's that the children are underground. Like they're, they're not heard. They're not spoken for. They're not heard from. Yeah. And that's, I think, why a lot of, like, I know in my town, um, like, Tupelo has a direct uh, pipeline to Nashville. (laughs) Anyone who's talented (laughs) here goes to Nashville (laughs) and makes a name for themselves. And it's it's depressing because, and and I'm, I'm, you know, me and a lot of my friends work really hard to sort of um, give young people a voice. If we hear somebody, a young person with sort of a crazy idea, you know, our first thought is, what, what can we do to make that idea happen here before you leave? Um, cause we've had some incredible people come out of here, like super notable people, but they're not here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They left, uh, you know, it, it started with Elvis and it didn't stop there. Uh, and I like, I just realized this the other day, Diplo is from here, <laughs> Oh, but he's, he's not here. He rarely comes here. Uh, not that I'm like a crazy Diplo fan, but the guy's, you know, a yeah, very successful creative <laughs> who would not have made uh, who would not have been allowed to make anything of himself here. He mm-hmm. had to leave because this is a city that has no children in it. Um, not this specifically, but the suburbs have no children in them in that they are not heard from. They are a garden left for ruin by the wealthy. They are private prisons because if you lock yourself in a private prison, you're safe from the outside world. But you are also keeping yourself safe from new ideas. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Yeah. Um and then the only other thing with this verse is we get to the, the do you think your righteousness could pay the interest on your debt? I have my doubts about it. Um, mm. This, mm. I think Preach. now. Preach. I, I know. I, I, I love that, too. Uh, I think now he's talking back again to the, the way to, person he waited for the letter from who kind of ran away. And um, – He's kind of saying that, you know, he's knowing that he's growing old and growing debts that you kind of accrue when you begin to have things you care and support. And I like very bluntly, um, I, he's saying like, yeah, your righteousness isn't going to put food on the table for your family. Um, and at some point you need to like, <laughs> it's going to sound so cliche and almost joke, but you need to grow up in some sort of a sense. And that's, you know the whole album is that to some extent you need to grow up. Yeah. I think that he's saying they need to grow up, but I, I don't think he's talking about, um, to provide or whatever. I think he's saying like your idealism is good, but as long as it's underground, it's just idealism. Mm. Um, like this is a city with no children in it because there are no new ideas. Like if you can leave here and spread your ideas somewhere else, or you can like, you can come out from the underground and do something about it. Uh, your your righteousness is not going to pay the interest on that debt. 
you know what I'm saying? Like the city is not going to change. The suburb is not going to change off of your righteousness. Your righteousness can inspire new ideas. Yeah. But it cannot, uh, it will not pay the interest on the debt. And I think that line, I just want to, uh, I just want to shout when that line comes up. You know, like, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't sing it loud enough. <laughs> I love it. That's, that that's never that's really like compelling. I never thought of it. That's dang. I that's, completely. Agree. I mean, I'm yeah. bringing a lot of personal stuff to that. All right. <laughs> but I want to write that on a poster and take it to like city council meetings. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to the uh, the last one. All right. Go ahead. I feel like I've been living in a city with no children in it, a garden left for ruin by a millionaire inside of a private prison. I feel like I've been living in a city with no children in it, a garden left for ruin by and by as I hide inside of my private prison. And so now I like I think he was talking about that. What I was saying, that kind of reaction, the black and white of you're either ideal or you're the millionaire. Um, and like you were saying, I think he's seeing that it is a private prison. And I think when he's like, when he shifts now as I hide inside of my private prison, he's saying that he is that adult image of the millionaire and he's realizing yeah. that he's in the private prison and he's ruining the garden. Like like you were saying, the garden of, of what you can do. Well, like the, with You can see the beauty in the world and your idealism, everything you were just saying. And I think that, I mean, this is a bit of a stretch, but with the... Um, the garden being, I mean, this is what I had. I like yours a lot better though. But what I was originally saying is like the garden kind of being the garden of Eden as that kind of obvious metaphor for innocence we're born with that innocence yeah. we have when we have a broken arm and we can't go out in the summer. And he's saying like the garden's still there, but by thinking that it isn't and that you're that, you know, black mirror reflection of everything you once wanted to be, you're in fact like ruining your innocence and kind of any spark of what made you want to to run and yeah. uh, or whatever you had when you were young. And he feels like that's what he's been doing. And going back to his father's house in the dream, he kind of, yeah, he realizes all of this and those negative thought patterns as we reach the turning point of the album and his mindset has changed. And I, I love what you were saying about the realization that idealism when you're underground isn't going to do anything well i think this is I, I like to call this like a kanye moment uh because kanye like his whole first thing you know his whole first few records was super idealistic and sort of raging against the status quo and um you know why are you making your whole life about uh getting the money and getting the watch and getting the girl like this, there's more to it than mm -hmm. that and and he still believes that but like he looked down one day and he like had the money and the watch and the girl and he was still just idealistic and nothing had changed. Uh, and I think that's sort of like wins got notoriety now, like mm -hmm. wins got money now. Uh, and, and now more than then, you know, and he's sort of looking up and realizing like he's still this idealistic guy. Uh, and he's kind of pointing the finger back at himself. Like, what am I doing about it? Like I'm still underground. I'm still, in my, or maybe I'm not even underground anymore. I'm just in my private prison because I'm trying to protect. Now that I have all this stuff, I want to protect it, mm. even though maybe this isn't even what I was shooting for to begin with. And uh, I love, 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 love that he's pointing it back on himself. Like he's, he's mm -hmm. being. I mean, he's talking about you know this letter writer being righteous, you know, and then he, <laughs> you know, sort of realizes, oh, I am, I am both villains. Like I am the righteous idealist and the millionaire in my private prison right now. And maybe, maybe you can be both. Like, maybe we can fix this. Maybe I can be successful. Um, here's, like, I think this is the question it's asking. I don't think he's saying this actually in the song. Like, maybe I can still be idealistic. And maybe I can be successful. But if that's the case, then maybe I need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, that's what I feel in the song, this whole record. is like, Oh, definitely. Um, and that's why I think the music in this song is hopeful. Like, this, the lyrics are not hopeful. No. But the music is very hopeful. And I, I think that's what makes that the music is the question mark. It's saying, uh, but it doesn't have to be this way. But that's two for two episodes. Uh, Kanye references. Oh, Kanye references. Yeah. yeah, like back I, to back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> La last one was, uh, I love Kanye. This, this one's Kanye moments. I, I like it. Uh, we're, we're, we're encouraging a, a crossover. Who, like, has written pretty extensive, like beautiful essays about Kanye. 
and and his sort of uh, getting you know sort of like the dog that caught the car, mm. um, kind of kind of thing. Like he yeah. Was, anyway, it's 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 great, and I absolutely love Kanye. I, oh, as not, I don't listen to his new records, but I think that uh, Deep Doctors of Fantasy is one of the greatest records ever recorded. <laughs> uh, definitely. <laughs> We were recently at a bar and there were a bunch of like just super country dudes in there who may or may not have said something like under their breath that wasn't like overtly racist but didn't feel right either. And we uh, pulled our cash and went to the jukebox and put the whole Deep Dark Twisted Fantasy record on. (laughs) Uh, And those dudes had to listen to it. Nice. It was the best. It was the best. (laughs) I like that because it benefits everyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, they learn and I got to jam. Yeah, easily, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so what do you guys think about the music? Yeah, I was going to say with the music, everything you were saying about the hopefulness, um, the biggest thing I have is toward the end when there's the choruses, there's that kind of ringing in the background. Um, yes. And that really, at least for me, like evokes the image of like, like I'm running as fast as I can and I can't stop or I'm driving as fast as I can. Like you're getting kind of out of breath and, uh, overwhelmed yeah. by a realization that yeah that it just it's ringing so much in your head that you can't get it out and you're just kind of exploding with it yeah and they bring the volume up very subtly but if you just skip from the beginning to the end like it's way bigger mm-hmm. and um even when it's over there's still that like affected fender amp buzzing in the back mm. in the mix and it's just kind of um orienting you to back to that sort of question and that continuation it's keeping it you know what i mean it's that yeah. sort of thought that doesn't leave your head and i love that uh i mean i just love that fender amp buzz but i also love um the way it's in the mix yeah i mean you, um, you, you said it when it comes to like the contrast between the lyrics and the the music like if you if you're just someone who doesn't listen to the lyrics this might be like one of their happiest songs you know it's like kind of like cheering yeah. along you're smiling <laughs> yeah. along you're in the car listening and like as soon as like someone tells you like, "Hey, hey, bud, maybe you should uh, listen to that lyric," then it's like just just yeah. mind changing. When you're driving in the car, bounce it around to the music, and someone looks in your car and says, "Hey, bud, maybe you should listen to the lyrics." <laughs> 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 Happens all the time in the suburbs. Yeah, uh, I love that about this whole record. It sort of has that same sort of feel, you know. It's so hopeful in tone, and the lyrics are very challenging. Yeah, I mean. Uh, we have you now, and it's going to be a while away, but just the, on, on the song, The Suburbs, which we're going to talk about forever, the way the uh, the chord goes from, it's like D, B minor, but then it changes the key on the third chord to F sharp minor, and just that sudden key change just evokes such a specific emotion that just embodies everything about the song, and they do that so much on this album. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's almost disorienting, but it's also mm-hmm. orienting in that it's like, hey, this is weird. This is a little weird. This is hazy. I mean, and like even the color pattern on the cover, the the, the record sounds like that color treatment on the yeah. cover photo. Yeah, easily. And and they, yeah, I love that, the chord progression on the piano there. And they're just like, uh, you know, hey, this is going to be like, this is going to be a little bit weird, mm-hmm. but it's going to be positive in the end. And yeah. I mean, just from the first, you know, yeah, four, four, five chords, <laughs> they sort of say that to you. And I, uh, one thing I really love about this song is the bass line is just so slidey you know it keeps mm-hmm. sliding up and back down it's so joyful in the choruses yeah but the verses it is a driving punk rock baseline um it just is kind of down in the mix and there's that shimmery indie guitar behind it with their uh sort of that signature uh sort of um almost like a disco strum pattern that they put in a lot of their stuff yeah but the bass it, i mean if you isolate that bass part it is, uh, it's like Paul Simonson from The Clash or Mike Dirt from Green Day or Mark, uh, uh, what's his name? Blink-182? Uh, Mark Hoppus? That's the genera- that That's name? the music skipped our generation. Well, no, we'll Sid just- Vicious, D.D. Ramone, Mike Herrera. Like, it's a very, um, I mean, it's picked and it's, and it's strummed really hard. It's just down in the mix. And, uh, I mean, that's punk rock. It's, it's, it's like, it's a, Baseline that is pulled straight from the annals of like a subversive um, genre of music, but it's put into this really nice shimmery pop song, um, and I think that that's a really cool little nod. That uh, the, you know they're like they're smart enough, weird enough, 
musicians that I think that that is a very intentional little nod. Mm-hmm. Um, that they they're almost saying like deep down like hey some of this is a protest song. <laughs> well, they definitely wear their influences on their sleeve. Like yeah, uh, like- yeah. with the patches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They change the jackets based on what song it is. You know, so everyone knows specifically, yeah. but. Like, I think that's what they enjoy most is, like, changing, like, what music they listen to. And, and like, I think that really affects what they play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I also love that the um, percussion is, like, mostly claps. <laughs> yeah. There's some tom work, and but I, I don't know that there's a snare in this song. I think the snare is claps. I, I, I think uh, Reg- Regine really loves pr- clapping. Yeah. Boy, boy yeah. does Regine love a good clap. <laughs> like, Hey, God bless her for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stomps and claps are the <laughs> yeah. best. Yeah. All right. Do you have a? Um, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna close this off and ask uh, if you have a, if you have a good metric. Oh. Uh, sorry. Do you have more to say? Not real. No, I don't. I don't think. Oh, one one other thing. Yeah. They go for just it. like very randomly toss the organ in and out. It's just like comes up and makes it really shimmery, and then it comes back down and leaves. And I think that's delightful. Sorry. Um. Broken Arms? I got uh, Underground Highways. Owen? Yeah, I have Wars Waged. But, you know. Oh, Wars uh, Waged. JB, guest, uh, guest choice. What do you want? I like Wars Waged. All right. Uh, how many you got, Owen? I'm three and a half out of five. Oh. Oh. Why? Why? Because, well, see, I was looking at Alice's notes as I was writing this, <laughs> and I saw, like, wow. Alex, I'll, I mean, I'll let you say it, Alex. What you got? Five. Five out of five. And that makes me feel so in, like, no, sufficient no, no. or whatever. Well, I mean, has anything changed your mind? It makes me feel like a negative person. And, like, so now I'm, now I'm going to seem like, oh, this is like, Alex is going to go on about how great the song is. And I'm like, yo, I love this song, but I don't think it's a five. And now, oh. I mean, you can, the, the whole point of this is challenging Why, our, uh, I mean, I don't think this is the best song on the suburbs, so I can't give it a five. Because the other songs, which are better, deserve a five. But... I like 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 we said like the tone of this song is just so happy that you can't like kind of like smile at it. But then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, "Why am I smiling? This is like so <laughs> sad." And like a reflection on what we live in and stuff. And it's like a really good comedy set where they get you laughing and then they bring up some like really dark stuff. And yeah, you're still yeah. laughing a little bit, but you yeah. don't want to be. That, that's exactly it. And it's just like. That and like the, the the imagery on this song, I think, is one of their best. And just like right right from the start, they get you like with with, with the with the broken arm, like we said. And yeah. then just like, so you're describing why you're giving it a five, but then you're giving it a three, three and, and a half, <laughs> just for for logistical reasons. I, I can't give every song a five. Owen's Owen's a very big believer in the the normal uh, distribution of the songs. Yeah. Hey, that's fine. I I get that. I get that. I have to give it five war, wars waged too. Yep. This is this song is brilliant. Uh, so yeah, but that's okay. Everyone's entitled their opinion, Owen. So you and know, that's why we do the show. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it's right, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's... Well, when, when we when I see we... A, like a path forward for a four. Uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> when we when we calculate all the scores at the end, and Alex's average for them is four and a half out of five, and my average is exactly two and a half. That's that's what I'm gonna be looking forward to. Then I'll be the one who's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> at your own jokes <laughs> yeah no yeah it's one of my favorite bands i give them an overall two and a half <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean we we just had a um addressing one of our i mean in jb with your own show we, this is something we love to talk about we had a fan write in about how could we love the band and give a song one out of five oh and, it's easy <laughs> yeah and, and we want to address uh uh our our listener who wrote in that we, I mean, we emailed them back, but it's kind of like we think that it's a disservice to them. We respect and love them so much that we're not going to say every song is a five relative to their own discography. Because if there are songs that are fives, there are also songs that are ones. And that one right. could still be like, compared to every song ever, that could still be like a 9.7. But relative yeah. to them, it's a one. Well, I will say to that listener, I host, uh, co-host a Bruce Springsteen podcast. The man has written... <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of songs and i mean published hundreds and hundreds of songs he's written thousands probably or a thousand and uh i will say that he's written absolutely some of the top like top 10 songs in the world mm-hmm. right he's probably got two on there he's also written like very near 
a few of the top 10 worst songs. <laughs> <laughs> so that it helps to have someone with a, a giant discography where you can just like really, you know, take a pass on, uh, on one that's, that's just, you know, uh, bad, um, <laughs> definitively bad. But, uh, and Arcade Fire kind of toes that line sometimes. They like, they're so weird. And that's one thing I love about them. They're super weird. Yeah. And, um, that is a, uh, I have to have like a certain amount of weird in my life. And so if it's not happening in the regular world, I'll put on songs of theirs that I don't even necessarily like because it's weird. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they can definitely do some stuff that throws you for a loop or, and maybe even you don't like, <laughs> but you have to appreciate that they're doing it. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's how, that's how I feel about the the one songs from Arcade Fire, <laughs> and there's yeah. a few. There's, there's a few. few yeah, I mean, so far we have we've got two, two already. Yeah, um, because yeah, if there are fives, there are ones. Right. No. Anyway, you got anything else to say, Owen? JB? I mean, thanks, JB, for coming on. Yeah, we been thrilled really to have great. you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. You, you, a skilled pro like podcaster like you is making <laughs> making us look bad now. Oh, yeah. like, gonna have to go over and make sure that we improve all of our stuff now. I mean, the, the bar is a lot higher now. Oh yeah. I don't know about all that. Uh, I had a friend who was doing like this very professional uh, podcast for this news organization, and he called me and he's like, "Yeah, you got a lot. You, you know, got a lot of episodes. Got listeners." Uh, what do you think about? And he starts getting into all this technical stuff, and I was like, "Dude, I plug my mic into the computer, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just go." <laughs> so, uh, no, this has been great. Y'all are, uh, I really, I'm really enjoying what y'all are doing. So it's, it's a lot of fun to listen to. Well, thanks, JB. It, right back at cool you. To, it's cool to hear someone else do the format. And well, uh, your format. Nice. Y'all are a little more. Um, I will say that y'all are like a little more. Um, analytical from a uh academic standpoint like y'all have like this like an overall thesis for most of your songs you know and like it's just really fun to listen to and sometimes i think like man these guys are kicking my butt i'm coming in just being like i don't know man the guitar part's like ripping <laughs> <laughs> and y'all are like super super analytical and so uh i enjoy that a lot well yeah well we appreciate it jb yeah uh thanks so much for listening that was our episode we are kind of going into this new phase where every once in a while now we're going to have an expert guest come on and we'll talk with them just like we did today. I think today went pretty well. But yeah, thanks. Listen next week because we're going to be talking about cold wind and how awesome that is. Well, thanks. See you later. Thanks, everyone.